Welcome to Revive, a marketing podcast for manufacturers. My name is Clint, and I'm here with my co-host, Austin. Hello. Today, we are launching our second episode, so thank you for listening and tuning back in if you listened to the first. We've got a great guest for you today, a prominent web developer from the West Coast. Oh, excuse me, East Coast. Yeah, he's from uh, Pennsylvania. That's right. That is on the East Coast. East Coast. Yes, sir. Sunrise. The sun rises in the east uh, along with our web developer. Uh, great guy. He does great work. Um, we've worked with him before. He does a lot of manufacturing websites. Yep. Uh, Erie, Pennsylvania is where he's from. He's a lot of, a lot of manufacturing out there, so he, he knows the industry well. Let's dive right in. Jason Keller from Paper Advertising. Uh, welcome, Jason. Thank you. So, Thanks for having me. Let's, uh, let's start with the spelling of PayPod because <laughs> it's very confusing. And it, P-A-P-A. P-A-P-A, which but, everyone says Papa. Right. Uh, it is Papa because of a previous owner. It was his last name. Uh-huh. So there is a slash above the A to em- emphasize that, but uh, yeah, gotcha. you can call us whatever you want, as long as you call us. Is that, yeah. is that like, is that French or what is that? Uh, Italian. Italian. Yes. That was our second guess. Second guess. So is it paypaladvertising.com? Yes. Gotcha. That is it. So tell me about PayPal. What do you guys do? Um, how did you get started? Uh, PayPal's been around uh, since uh, 1990. Uh, I had worked for the company for 20 years. And just this past year, I've actually taken over ownership with a partner. Um, we have been a company that's based around manufacturing because we're based in Erie, Pennsylvania. And that's pretty much all we have is manufacturers and nonprofits. Mm-hmm. Just, I think manufacturers are just so out of the loop with everything for marketing, um, especially from a website standpoint. Um, I think it's starting to kind of come around full circle, but... Um, for the most part, where are manufacturers going wrong on their websites? Well, that's a big question. Uh, you know, one of our problems with manufacturers and the web is most manufacturers have been around, you know, for 50 years plus. You know, they're coming from second generation doing the same thing. They never had to use the web. You right. know, they use ThomasNet. You know, now you don't hear of anyone using Thomas Nut. Mm-hmm. It's very rare of using it and getting success off of it. Um, so these companies now want to evolve and change how their focus is. Uh, the world's changed where they're not just working for the same people in their, their region. You know, you can stretch out so much further. And the web is really helping with that where, you know, we can have someone in Erie, Pennsylvania, you know, stretch halfway across the United States selling their product now, and before they just couldn't do that. Sure. I have a, a it's probably an impossible question to answer, but I'm going to ask you: <laughs> How many websites have you had a hand in creating in your lifetime? Oh man, um, no idea. Uh, it's it's not crazy. More than ten, right? Yeah, it's okay. not a crazy amount. I would say like hundred plus. All right. Uh, you know, that's all. I mean, that is a crazy amount when you start to think about the work that goes into it and the. It is for the size of, of of our company, and uh, I have have always wanted to not only meet the clients and do the the 
the discussion of what the site's going to be, but I want to design the website because I know what they need. Mm -hmm. Uh, I want to have my hand in the programming to make sure it's done correct. I want to do the layout part of it or parts of it so I know it's done correct. Um, And then, you know, work with the client on user testing and make sure it is really what they wanted before it goes live. And it's a very hands-on process that does take, uh, you know, usually our website builds are two to three months. Um, We've had some, though, that have been year projects. Uh, We've had a very few. We just had one that was a three-day project. It doesn't happen too often, but uh, (laughs) sometimes it has to happen. Yeah, a little quickie. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, How many, what percentage of the hundred plus websites that you've done are in the manufacturing sector, would you guess? Uh, I would say 80 plus percent is manufacturing. Uh, Erie is a very big nonprofit area. So, you know, through the years we've, we've had ups and downs of nonprofits where they've gotten grants and they all get grants and they all need websites. Um, but really manufacturing has always been our focus. Uh, you know, st- we've had clients, uh, some great clients, uh, Quicker State and Lube was a, a client years ago that was based in Pennsylvania. Um, Reed Manufacturing is another just very large manufacturer that's in the area of Pennsylvania, but they're in, you know, 15 countries and uh, eight different languages, and it's a giant of a website. Mm-hmm. How do you uh, ensure that one website in manufacturing doesn't look like the last website you did in manufacturing or a website you did a couple of years ago. Or what's the challenge there in trying to differentiate these brands within that sector itself? I provide, you know, deals with that issue of, you know, we're dealing with a lot of manufacturers yeah. in the same industry. We're trying to make them different, but play in the same space. Well, web, one nice thing with web is uh, you have best standards. You have certain features that have to be there because they work great. Mm-hmm. You know that it's going to help sell. It's going to help convert. Um, so we have those, those basics that we implement up front in a wireframe and then design around that. Um, usually what helps differentiate one from another is we try to find out what their biggest problem is before we build a website. We go through the analytics of the website and see how it really was used compared to how an owner thinks it was used. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we find two or three very unique items that need to be reflected in this new design to help you know, push them better. And that is usually where the design is different is you know, if we're pointing out something very unique. That kind of segues right into my next question. What types of goals and objectives like do you look at when you're designing a website? Do, do they differentiate when people want to just have information on the website just so you know people can go look and see what they sell versus now they're looking for leads and they're looking to really push sales? How does that differentiate a, a web designer, the project itself? Um, well, it does. You know, if it's an informational site, usually my biggest question is, why is it just an informational site? Why is this website it's not trying to help sell better? So usually we try to talk companies out of just a basic informational site, and it pushes more into the um, trying to have some lead generation built into it, uh, call to actions on every page, mm-hmm. uh, sometimes very unique call to actions on different pages, uh, but 
you know, they, they all kind of end up going closer to that side of pushing the lead generation. Um, but there are some that really, we've had some companies that know they can't sell online. They know no one's ever going to call them based on just looking at their website. So those are the ones that are usually the biggest challenge of how to put the information on there correct, put just enough on there to have them try to contact or if their sales team at least reaches out to them, it gives a good follow-up where they can learn more about them. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are sometimes end up being the most challenging to build but can be the most successful for the company. Sure. Uh, for their sales team to use it as a resource. Right. How, what is the importance of having a, a mobile responsive website? Um, and maybe you want to explain what that is and just the importance of it in today's, today's business. Yeah, yeah. The website used to be you build a website and you're only looking on a computer. And uh, maybe we would have a way where that website would shrink as the monitor was going from a 21 inch to a 13 inch monitor but it was actually shrinking it it wasn't resizing anything uh you know a few years ago things changed so everything becomes responsive which means if your website's uh, built to be on a 21 inch monitor once it goes down to a 13 inch monitor things actually Uh, reposition and some things get smaller things get bigger and then when you go to a tablet and you're losing a mouse feature you're losing a click feature um, you actually have to change how things react and then when you go to a phone the same thing you're you're losing some capability because you don't have a mouse to click Mm -hmm. Uh, you're touching and sometimes even when it goes to a, um, a mobile will eliminate, say, 50% of the site uh, extra information and make it very clean and quick to read. Even navigation will take out secondary navigation and only make it a primary navigation website. Okay. Does every site that you build now, are they all responsive? Yes. Every website now has to be responsive. Uh, Google, uh, Google search, when you go to online, you just do a search online using Google search. They're ranking websites uh, that are desktop version, and then they have a ranking for mobile version. So if it's responsive, uh, you can build both in one, and you can uh, work on your SEO, actually, in two different ways on the same website to help uh, get the best traffic you can on both search engines. I don't want to insult any of our listeners by any means, but... um SEO, interesting <laughs> term. Um, you want to explain what it means? Yes, SEO to us is you know it's our geek term. Everyone mm-hmm. knows what it is, but the general public usually doesn't. Right. Uh, SEO is search engine optimization, and uh, all that is is saying that uh, we're building a website, putting in specific terms to make a page show up. In Google general search, which means there's no paid part of it. It just means you go into Google, you do a search, um, and whatever shows up that doesn't say it's a paid ad is that SEO side of it. And it's all uh, based on how you build a website. There's 50-some main structures that you build into every single page to have your SEO very strong. There's actually hundreds of items that go into it. Um, 
but it's probably one of the most important things to look at before even building the website. Uh, so you know that the names of your pages are what people really are searching and not what you think it is. Sure. Um, trying to get clients to understand that you might have uh, a product that you've branded and to get them to understand that brand doesn't matter when it comes to general search. Mm-hmm. We need to, to take the brand out of it and have that a secondary item and put in that, you know, this is a, uh, a fan for, you know, a certain motor or something that you want as general as you can to get as many people to come to that site. Right. So what's like a best practice for SEO? Is it something that you should just do when you're creating a new site? Is it something that should be always monitored and always updated? You want to look at it before building a new website. You want to look at your analytics if you have them. Uh, Google Analytics is a great free tool that can be put onto a website. Uh, If you haven't been using it, put it on there. Uh, Let it run for a month and you start to get good analytics. Um, Once you have the analytics, you can figure out what terms people are using to get to your websites, what's working good, what isn't. And that helps you with the rebuild of knowing this is how our you know, website should work. Um, but even then, you have some good data to go on. You build a new website with a new structure, some new page names. Uh, you might increase your website traffic you know, by 50%. You might increase it by 100%. It just, you don't know until you do that what it's going to yield. But then you really do want to start to look at it every single month. Uh, and see your growth pattern, compare it to competitors, uh, which a lot of SEO tools allow us to compare a competitor uh, with those specific keywords compared to your keywords and your pages. Um, we have a lot of clients we do it every month. We have some we do it quarterly. Um, in very rare cases, we do it you know, twice a year just to make sure they're not losing traction. Um, but most of the time it is a monthly thing. You just you want to at least monitor it. It doesn't mean you have to alter your website. But if you start to lose traction, you need to react to it quick, find out why you're losing traction, and, and search if competitors are moving up. Um, we've had some websites where they started going down. We had some that actually have dropped off completely off the Internet, and they didn't know why because their competitors weren't moving up. And it ended up being that they were blacklisted. Um, you know, so the SEO terms or search uh, stuff will actually tell us, like, hey, you just got blacklisted for some odd reason, and now you have something else you need to figure out. Um, what, is, what does that mean to be blacklisted? And like, how, like, just give me a, you said there's a number of reasons why it could happen. Just give me a. Blacklist could be that, uh, say, it was your first time using MailChimp and you sent out a mass email to, you know, a group that you bought 5,000 users from, you know, their emails, and they weren't legit signed up people, Mm -hmm. Uh, Time Warner Cable can blacklist your IP address, your uh, URL, and then your website goes down, your email goes down, because they won't let anything through associated with you. Um, And there's a lot of companies that can blacklist you. Time Warner Cable is a very big one spectrum, Um, you know, and you have multiple big groups that can block you and that can really interfere with your site showing up, your emails working, and then you have to get off that blacklist. So you have to contact some of these direct, you know, say I've, I've cleaned up whatever happens and they'll look at it, take you off of it. 
some of them though take up to seven days to take you off a blacklist. Um, time or cable, cable or spectrum will take you off pretty much that day. But if you don't know what happens and you're down for a day, that's a day that visitors weren't to your website, emails weren't going through. Yeah. So I think it's a very interesting point just because a lot of our clients and a lot of people in manufacturing, I think email blasts are such a big thing, but just purchasing those lists and you know, not having legit signed up users can, can affect and go back to your website. So It can, and that email provider that you use, say it was MailChimp that you used, uh, they'll blacklist you as well. They'll say, sorry, you, you sent this out and you did a bad thing. We told you you couldn't do it and you did it. You can't use MailChimp ever again. Mm-hmm. Um, and we've had that happen to clients before. Uh, some of them will get a trade show list because they went to a trade show and, you know, like, oh, if we get the list of everyone that was there. Those people really didn't sign up you know, to be on your newsletter. Right. Um, Has to be a real opt-in. Yeah. And so those uh, people try to use all the time. Uh, success rate is terrible anyway, so it's not worth using. Sure. Um, but there's no reason to get blacklisted over something like that where you have one person out of 5,000 that opens in anyways. Just right. <laughs> um, kind of getting down to brass tacks with the SEO. So, you, the main thing is you're trying to identify keywords, correct? Keyword phrases that people are searching for. Okay. When you have those keywords identified, how do you go about optimizing your site for them? Is it all about writing better content or, or what? what is that process like? There's a, some basic structures that you need to, to have in place. One of them is whatever that keyword phrase is, that becomes the name of your page. So the title of that page is that. As in like on the tab in your browser, it's what it shows up on there? Uh, well, or on, with your, the main thing on Google when, when your script is going through? It would be, uh, so when I go to the page, usually you have, it's called a heading one. It's okay. the first big heading that you have on the page. Right. That's the name of your page. The URL should reflect that same exact thing in it. Okay. Um, it shouldn't be changed at all. So the URL reflects the page name. Uh, your meta description, which is hidden behind the page, that, that is what Google sees and what you see in a Google search is that two low sentences below the title. That meta description has to reflect it as well. And then within your body, uh, you want to take whatever that phrase was and try to incorporate into a secondary heading, which gives you more credit. Uh, you can be a little more flexible with that, not just repeat the same thing, but put it into a sentence and use whatever the keyword phrase is. Mm -hmm. And then you want it into your body copy, uh, about 5% of whatever your body copy is. Okay. Uh, If you put it in too much, you get keyword stuffing Mm -hmm. and Google says, you're just trying to put this keyword in to show up (laughs) great. And now we're going to penalize you and kick you out of the search. Mm -hmm. Um, If you have images on the page, you want to put in uh, alt ta- text, which is hidden text as well, but it goes with that image. And Google sees that uh, alt text and says, oh, and so this just being an image, now this image is about whatever. And mm-hmm. it has that keyword phrase reflecting it again. And that doesn't go against your 5% content. That's more times that you can put that keyword phrase in there. And alt text is when you scroll over an image and that your cursor brings up that little line of, of what 
the description is? That's your description itself, which is a, another extra okay. thing you can add to an image. Your alt text is completely hid, hidden, and it's only seen back on the backside in code, okay. and Google sees it. And instead of Google reading your website and coming across and says, oh, there's an image, because it doesn't know what an image is. Mm-hmm. You know, it can't look at it and say, oh, this is an image of a dog. Right. You actually say, you know, this is an uh, image of a you know, a, a black lab and, uh, you know, maybe he's getting a bath by our service, you know, cleaning them or something. Sure, and, sure. and you also want to put your location in there. You know, okay. if you're a location that is, you know, your service in just one area, all of your, uh, alt tags on images, always put in the name of your company, put in, uh, the location and put that with the keyword phrase. Okay. I, I think you, you touched on this earlier, but I think I'll, the the perception is, and it's an incorrect perception by a lot of uh, people, is that SEO is you, you do it, you set it, you forget it, and it's going to take care of itself. But that's not really the case, correct? Well, it it, it can be. Starting okay. out, it can be. And so that's kind Don't of... Don't make me look bad, Jason. No, no. <laughs> well, that's a, that is the perception. And we'll have, you know... People say, run me an essay report, and it says, oh, we have this new website. You're ranked number one to three on every keyword now in Google. So every page is doing great. And they say, okay, well, let's look at it next month, and they're still doing great. And then they're like, well, then, you know, we're doing good. We don't need to keep looking at it. The problem is, is you did great. You know, we built it correct. You're, You're showing up correct. But now your competitors aren't. So it's time for them to change things and they're going to alter their website. They're going to, you know, if they have someone like me, they're going to look at how did you do that? How did you do it so well? And they're going to then do it better. Right. And it's always a Trump one person, Trump the next, Trump the next, and you have to then react to it. So if you're running SEO software and you have someone doing reports for you every month, you can start to see who's starting to change, uh, how they're growing. And then before they can take us over, we actually watch them grow and then figure out, you know, what are they doing to grow and start to add more pieces to yours right. uh, to make it better. You, you reference Google a lot. Yes. Is Google pretty much the rule? Oh, you think that? there's others like Bing or something? Uh, just, <laughs> just clarifying this for our listeners. Uh, <laughs> Google is king for sure. Uh, but in the manufacturing side of it, Bing is still working. Uh, you know, so Google and Bing, neither of them tell you what the SEO items are and the scores that are based on those. So they're never going to say that, okay, if your heading one is correct, we give you, you know, 80% of credit for your SEO just based on that. They change their algorithm all the time. But since Google is the giants, we're going to chase everything to reflect on Google and hopefully Bing follows suit somehow to do that. Um, the only reason that we really look at Bing is when it comes to paid search. Uh, it's sometimes cheaper. We can get better traffic from it uh, for the price. Not better traffic than Google, but for the price. And we can draw people in that way. But for SEO, we really only look at Google. Um, and usually, depending on the client, we'll look at Google in a United States search compared to a local search. Okay. And, and you said 
uh, paid search advertising. And I think the one thing that we hear every time we make a new website for a client is, "I want to be on. I want to be the first thing on Google." And they say that, <laughs> and a, I think it's just a misconception that you can just be the first thing on Google without spending an arm and a leg. And the joke, obviously, is the best place to hide a dead body is the second page of Google. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> everybody wants to be on page one. Now, is it is can SEO by itself get you there free? Yes. And Unless you're paying an agency to help you with that SEO. Right? Yes, you are. Uh, you know, the, there's a balance, though, and this is going to be an argument forever between uh, to web people and marketers. But uh, some say you only do SEO, never do paid search. Some say do paid search, don't waste time on SEO. <laughs> I, I'm the one that's uh, it's a balance. Okay. You know, if we build you a new website and say you had, you know, 50 pages, we have specific keywords for each of them. And 30 of them are ranked number one to three position in Google. Why pay to be above that? Right. Uh, especially since Google Paid is looked at about 25% of the time before they go down to the, the free part. Um, then I like to say, okay, let's keep working on them for SEO, make sure they don't drop, mm-hmm. but we don't focus a lot of time on them. Then we look at the ones that are listed from position four to 10. And we see, is there a way we can move them up closer to position one to three, which really are your prime? And then anything past 10, that second page, that dead guy that's on the second page, <laughs> third page. If, Nobody even knows his name. It's, it's yeah. If we can't see a way of moving them to first page quickly, then we'll do paid search. Okay. And that way we get them number one for every keyword phrase. They're number one or number two on Google, uh, whether it's paid or it's it's the organic free part. Right. And then you balance that, though. Once you start to run paid search, it's, they're two different companies. Paid, Google Paid Search is one company. Google Search, the organic free part, is a whole other company. And they say they don't work together. And they really don't, except if I do paid search for a keyword term where I was on page two or three, now I have... Mm-hmm this paid search running where I get all this traffic that I never was getting to my website. You get all this traffic to the website and now Google search, the free one goes, Oh, well you're more popular than we thought you were. And they take you from ranking in seconds page and they'll move you up because now there's more interest in what you have. Mm-hmm. So the two do go hand in hand. Sure. Um, and once you move to first page, then maybe limit the, the paid search for those keyword, t- you know, terms, um, you know, and the, the goal is to spend as least as you can, but... Yeah, so sometimes you type in something on Google and the first ad is going to lead you to the same exact page that the first real result is going to lead you to. So that's just wasted money by them, correct? It is, but it depends on the ad that's below that. Uh-huh. So, you know, you have one to three ads that show up that are paid for in the top and then you have the free. Mm -hmm. So if I have three really good competitors showing up in that top position for paid, then I might say, okay, let's throw some money at paid ad and see if putting a paid ad there is going to drive more results for the client. Sure. Um, And that's one of those things you have to try. You can't just say this isn't going to work or will work. You, Mm -hmm. you know, and that's the best thing of paid search. You can turn it on and turn off whenever you want. Right. It's you don't have to be in a contract with someone for a year to do paid search. You can 
say, hey, let's try this for a month. If it doesn't work, turn it off. If it works great, then let's expand it and you know keep going with it. Sure. I mean, I think our, our time is kind of dwindling here, and there's so many more questions that we have for Jason about <laughs> websites, but I think we can do a couple more episodes. Um, I have a couple of fun questions to wrap up, if, if you do have any more serious <laughs> ones, Austin. No, wrap it up. I, all right. Um, what is your favorite website of all time? Oh, wow. Is it spacejam.com? Because that's my favorite. The original from like 1996, is that your favorite? I, I don't have a favorite <laughs> website, to be honest. <laughs> it's uh, your question. My favorite website, honestly, is Google Search. Okay. Because I can find everything I want. I can learn more and you know, me being a web geek, I just want to learn more. Sure. I want to know more that's out there, and uh, I'm more of that personality than... Yeah. Yeah. You're not a Yahoo guy. I, I don't know what Yahoo is. <laughs> yeah, I will say, Yahoo Weather app is really nice. I do use the Yahoo Weather app. Uh, <laughs> um, you're a big website person, so your opinion on this, I think, is... is would, would matter so I'm I think I would know the answer but what browser do you use when you're just searching on your own website or no. on your own computer so I'm a Mac guy okay. I would never use a PC uh, unless the client makes me and has a gun to my head I'll, I'll <laughs> use it for them but everything's a Mac I I honestly use Firefox on the Mac really it works the best for me over Chrome even though Chrome is supposedly better and, and works better that was my guess when I said I thought I knew, but... No, but to be honest, when I'm building a website, I use every single browser that's out there. I have uh, PCs running just to test, uh, so I, I know that every browser on you know every Windows version will work correct. But if it's me at home, I'm on Firefox most of the time, and randomly I'll open up Chrome because... Firefox wasn't working, but sure. Well, that's good to know. I'm going to download Firefox again tonight. <laughs> Here's a fun fact: Jason actually made fun of me because I didn't use Safari. Safari? <laughs> well, yeah. Well. <laughs> well, the problem. So I use Safari starting out, but say all your credit card companies and all these big companies, they weren't supporting Safari as much as they were Firefox, and then Chrome, you know, started growing. So I had just so many issues of. I couldn't go on pay a bill sometimes. Right, right. We'll cut that part out where you said you use Safari. <laughs> <laughs> I got one last one. Um, give me one secret tool belt tool to help make your website better. Well, you know, I'll shoot myself in the foot because it makes me money. But right. uh, uh, Moz and SEM Rush are two great uh, monthly tools that you, you have to pay for. That give you tons of insight on what's wrong with your websites, uh, how to rank better, what your competitors are doing. Um, they are amazing. The, the thing is, it's like Google Analytics. You have tons of information. You have to understand how to use it. I was just going to say, you have to have a user that knows how to navigate that, and that's where you come into play. I, I do, but you know, I have other clients I've actually taught them how to use it. You know, We'll spend a couple months going through everything. And teach them how to use it. And they have a marketing person in-house. I'd rather that marketing person be more effective for them sure. and, and show them how to use it. 
and maybe touch base every six months or every year and teach them, okay, here's some new tools within this and mm-hmm. help them evolve as, you know, uh, in-house marketer. Sure. It's one of those, if you give a person fish, they eat for you. Know, yeah. Yeah. Right. Uh, awesome. I think. My head's spinning. I knew all this stuff already, and still, I, you know, that's a lot. It's a lot to take in. It's all great stuff, though. We, we really appreciate it. Yeah, it's great. It's, I love this. Yeah. So we'll have to get you back in here sometime if you ever make your way back down to Milwaukee. Um, Anytime. And we'll, uh, we'll do another episode. I'm sure there's numerous other topics we can discuss regarding websites and just the future of web going forward. And just a reminder, paypadvertising.com, and you guys are on Facebook. Yep, Facebook, Twitter, we have everything. LinkedIn, yep, we're in Erie, but uh, yeah, we have all the the technology out there, yeah. Great. Thank you, Jason. We appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you, Jason, for coming in all the way from Pennsylvania, which is on the East Coast. Uh, We really appreciate that and some great insight, great intel there. And, uh, if anybody needs to reach him, obviously paypadvertising.com. Let's move on to some segments, shall we? Let's do it. Awesome. Let's start with the Twitter news of the day. So manufacturing news. Uh, Austin, what do you got for us? I got an article from Business Insider. The U.S. manufacturing job market hasn't been this strong in over 20 years. That was the title. Uh, It says the July jobs report released Friday fell short of top-line expectations. However, it did show that the manufacturing sector added 37,000 jobs and has added 327,000 jobs over the past 12 months. Uh, This is actually the highest jobs added over the past 12 months um, is the highest 12-month total since April 1995. Where were you in April of 1995, Austin? I was two years old. (laughs) I, no, I was probably, uh, well, I was like six. So, yeah, we, we, you know, we, we probably weren't included in that initial number. Great. Uh, let's move on to the Milwaukee weather update. Uh, I think we're going to have a little bit of a different one than last week. So, uh, Austin, what's the weather like here in Milwaukee today? It's still gray. It is gray. It's very slate gray. Um, I promised a Pantone color. I'm going to say we're going to go with 416U. Um, Do they have a Crayola name for that? Yeah, it's slate gray. Uh, no, it's a, it's yeah. I mean, it's a it's it's a beautiful day in Milwaukee as always. Love it. Uh, and let's wrap it up with some manufacturing trivia quiz. Uh, let's recap what we did last time. Um, the last time we, we talked about. When synthetic plastic was first invented, synthetic correct? polymers. Synthetic polymers. Okay, gotcha. And the answer is 1907. That was my second guess, uh, beside uh, 1930, which I was saying. I was really, it really was. Uh, so 1907. That's incredible. Um, over 110 years ago, I was before. The Titanic even left the original one, not the one with Leonardo DiCaprio, but the real one. That's just nuts. Uh, Wow. Do we have any question uh, this week? We do. Um, We're going to go true and false this week. So true or false, glass can be recycled endlessly without any loss in purity or quality. What's your gut tell you? Well, it's it's a 50% chance, so I'm just not going to answer this week, and we'll let the listeners find out next week. That's fair enough. 
Thanks for listening, guys. We'll uh, talk to you soon. Thanks, guys.